Have you seen that parrot that does Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> Pretty good. This parrot's going, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. That's outstanding. Yeah. Later on, that parrot's going to become a fantastic actor. <laughs> yeah. Right now, all no the one really cares, Yeah, no one really cares. But there'll be a period where the parrot is really unpopular and like the butt of a lot of BuzzFeed jokes. Yeah. But then come like season five, True Detective. Yeah. In comes the parrot. Yeah. Are they causing the parrot It'll make detective? sense. That, that That's is- so dumb. Hey, think about it. You said that about Vince Vaughn. <laughs> 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 I did. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the yes. prerequisite amount of pre-episode banter. Sparkle like gilded grass, and your lips are sweet and slippery like a cherub's bare wet ass. We are hottest one hundreds and thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest One Hundred. My name is it's David Jensen, and I am one of the four verses you're going to be listening to for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, Mr. Nathan Harrison, hey, hey. Mr. Adam Buncher, hey, and Mr. Andrew McDonald. Good morning. Yeah, but which song? Because I couldn't get it. You couldn't get it? No, not from that. Dave, gonna have it one more time? Do you want me to do it again? Just rewind the podcast. Or better yet, listen to the song we're about to talk about. Is it from that? It is indeed. At number 35, this is Tori Amos with Cornflake Girl. Oh, yeah. It was a good solution Hanging with the raisin girls She's gone to the other side Giving us a yo-yo Things are getting kind of gross And I go at sleepy time This is not really This, oh, this, oh, this is not really happening You bet your life Number 35 in the 1994 Hottest 100 with a little ditty called Corn Flake Girl. Adam? Yes. We've talked a lot about Power FM songs. This is 105% one of those Power FM songs for me. What's your take on the world of Miss Tori Amos? I think a Power FM song is a weird way to class it for me because... I definitely don't think it belongs within the same company that it keeps inside of of those oh, you know, resurrected anomaly. 90s tracks. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound like commercial radio at all. No. no it, I don't associate it with that at all. I, it, it, I'm surprised that it's a Power FM song. It was like, a massive this is, hit, this is her career. Yeah. It does get played on the commercial radio stations as a classic 90s track, but I believe... You think it sells the song short? Well, yeah, I think it does. You look around the other company that it's keeping inside that bracket, and it's far and above that rabble. This is a masterclass in songwriting. 
writing mm, because sure. everything is hooky, everything is memorable, everything is catchy. It possesses such a distinct character, yeah. very true emotion, and yet nothing is obvious. Nothing is done by the numbers. Even like the smash cuts into the different sections, and yet each individual section is so carefully curated and thought out. Well, people draw a, a comparison to Kate Bush. Which yeah, I guess is kind of fair, fair, especially in the following, chorus. So she's certainly following in that tradition. Yeah. Not to the detriment and no. whatever, because the entire tone of it is not a Kate Bush tone. Kate Bush has songs that are reminiscent of this. Absolutely. Like, certainly. Yeah. But I, I just think the overall attitude is not one that Kate Bush would necessarily adopt. It's mm. Kate Bush was a little bit more fun. This is a bit more sneering. This is a bit more alternative 90s. I think that's really what is being got out with the metaphor of being a cornflake girl. You know, like, I love it. It's Mm. pushed a little bit when you start bringing in the raisins and other stuff like that. Although I kind of get what's being said. I looked into it and in interviews she said, like, in in a box of cereal, you're going to have more cornflakes than you are raisins. And you have to dig around to get the raisins. Exactly. And she's she's not a cornflake girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I never was. Fully behind that. But even the idea of a cornflake girl is really great. You know, this wholesome food developed uh, initially as part of a diet of a a sanitarium by Mr. Kellogg. You know, eat this. It's good for you. Eat to- this and don't masturbate. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's wonderful to, yeah. to, to say, no, nope, not that. It says so much. And so I think that's it's really clever songwriting and really clever lyricism to bring that across. One aspect that I was looking at when I was looking at the meaning of the song as well and the lyrics is apparently a lot of stuff about female genital mutilation. Sorry yeah, to just bring I, that up in there. No, no, but because I, I think no, that it was particularly intense. about yeah. um, that a lot of time when that happens, it's done by a close friend or family member, and it's a huge act of betrayal to, sure. to do that to someone. And so, from what I understand, to some extent, a cornflake girl is someone who will betray you. Um, sure. As opposed to a raisin girl who is more loyal, and that they're the people that you want to find and you want to be. And considering that most people, judging by what is said in this song, are cornflake yeah, people, yeah. I mean that you, well, have, you have a, a box of cereal. You have a very disaffected cornflakes. 90s vibe coming through there, which I think works very, very well and does a lot of credit to Tori Amos's image in this song. Interestingly, there was a marketing campaign which saw Tori Amos put on the front of cereal boxes, yeah. which I think <laughs> is genius marketing in a way. Well, they yeah. can't all be ziggers. It's a bit of a whoops. <laughs> like, yeah. But it also doesn't run artistically with the song. But no. was it at all? I'm, maybe I'm confused about this. Was it before that song? I think it was for this song, but she was also in a Kellogg's ad right. previously, incidentally. Okay, right. yeah, what? sure. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And she beat out Sarah Jessica Parker to get that role. What huh. the fuck? Yep, it was between the two of them. Wow. You could be yeah. living in a very different world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm having a sliding doors moment. <laughs> yeah. <It's> incredible. <laughs> if I could proper an opinion here, I don't really pay this song very much. Really? Yeah. Huh. How much I, do you pay it? I don't know. About tree well, fitty. <laughs> tree fitty. That's um, not much. No. I understand the imagery and I think um, I prefer it in context and conceptually than I do actually listen to the song. To me, it just sounds like pleasant enough piano rock. I get that it's all hooky and a little bit left of field. Mm. And I've tried numerous times to get into Tori Hamos. This is not my first time. This album, other albums, a friend of mine is a huge fan of hers and he's recommended mm. her to me numerous times. And I've tried numerous times and I just don't really get the entire appeal. Huh. Musically, it just doesn't really meld with me. They're conceptually, I, I much prefer the intent of the song, the thing about female genital mutilation, the whole metaphor between Corvax and Raisins. It all works. If it was done by somebody else, I can see me really loving those aspects about it, but here I don't really enjoy it. 
I know that it's a bit reductive just to say female piano rock singers, but she's often recommended to me in the context of Fiona Apple, and I think she's a pale Fiona Apple. There are a few sections in there, especially when things get stripped down, where I really think the songwriting does resemble Fiona Apple. Yeah, I do see the quite comparison. A bit. I, I don't think there would be a Fiona Apple if there no, wasn't a Tori Amos. I'm, 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 I am happy to concede that. And one thing, as we talk about the meaning of the song, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the uh, the cringeworthy interpretation where I read that in concerts she has also said that Cornflakes v Raisins was a reference to which girls had access to marijuana. Yeah. Someone needs to break that down for me a little bit more because I don't quite... That was get... all it said. Is I there pres- something I, about I cereal that, I'm missing? I presume, or is there something no, about the, marijuana the, the, I'm missing? The Raisins girls are the ones who have ready access to marijuana. Okay. Because it's it's cool. It's is that what it is? It's edge. Is it? Well... Well, it certainly isn't the Cornflakes yeah. girls who have ready access to marijuana. <laughs> oh... No. I, I thought it was. I this. thought she was saying she wasn't Most... one of the cool kids that had marijuana. She hung out with the right. racing girls. That didn't. I, f- I figured that because, like, <laughs> right, huh? I don't this, know. This is the deeper metaphor it's, than I thought. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm with you, though, Adam. I think this yeah. is a, like, masterfully crafted pop song. It is. And it's... All the bits in this work so well. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I think they're really counterintuitive to pop and singer songwriting yeah. pop that is happening at this point in time. Like, well, so... all of the bits, particularly the way they shift between them. It's jarring as probably too strong a word but it doesn't let you get comfortable no, listening to this song it certainly doesn't but each one as I said like it has a hook yeah. and something that can bring you in and just like the chorus you bet your life it is that's a great line for yeah. a start in order to base a chorus around and the oh, way it's the delivered melody. Yeah. so unconventional so memorable Dave I'm guessing that you're a, a raisin girl like us <laughs> in a move that will surprise absolutely no one a song that Andrew doesn't like very much is very much in favor <laughs> oh. what a, a twist that's a, that's a harsh interpretation of our friendship <laughs> <laughs> well you know the saying one man's trash is DJ White's <laughs> one man's raisin is another man's cornflake hell yeah <laughs> No, of course I love this. Yeah, I'm not a massive Tori fan myself. I think she's one of those artists, similar to Kate Bush in a way that she has such a dense body of work and it's so difficult to find your way in. Fiona Apple's easy. She's got four records. Pick one and go for it. Yeah, Uh, it's true. But when it comes to Tori Amos, even her greatest hits album, Confessions of a Librarian, is super hard to get into (laughs) because it's so all over the place. That's a wonderful greatest hits title. Yeah. He's coming around. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I really like this song, I have a great nostalgic attachment to it, but I also think as its own entity, it's a really well-crafted song. That mm. beautiful strumming intro with the shuffled beats. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's it's the shuffle. Grand. The shuffle and, is what does mm. it. Yeah, and I love, like, even though it is like a Baroque pop song, I love how aggressive the piano gets. Like, yeah. the, how you can just basically hear it, like, slamming because down. Particularly yeah. with the other instruments, to me, when it all kicks in, it doesn't feel like a piano-driven singer-songwriter song. Yeah. Like, no. It's very different to all of that. Yeah, the piano great. goes hard. Like, live, she has two baby grand pianos and sits in the middle of them, and then will often play two at a time. Oh, much like uh, Lars Ulrich uses two bass drums on his drum kit. Well, <laughs> most bands do in heavy metal. Like, that's a complete excess thing. But Yes, to, but yeah, Lars yes. Ulrich. <laughs> well, most, most you're pianists not, you're have not two compa- pianos. You're not comparing Tori Amos to Lars Ulrich. Tori Amos, can a- Tori Amos can actually play her instruments. Let's let's be real here. Lars is listening. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, he hey, has- man. Hey, man. You're using our music illegally, man. <laughs> yeah, this, this is free media. He's not in for that. <laughs> 
But I can't say this enough because I often get to the end of talking about a song and, and, and I have this slight anxiety. It's like, I don't think I made myself clear about how much I like it. So allow me to take this point now and saying, I really believe this is one of the standout pop songs of the 90s. I'm with For you. sure. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I would agree. Yeah, I would not. agree wholeheartedly. I'm happy to be on the other side of that fence. Okay. You always are. <laughs> Howdy, neighbor. Always happy to be there. <laughs> Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's Andrew. You are Wilson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> At number 34, it's Hole with Miss World. I am the girl you know can't look you in the eye. I am the girl you know so sick I cannot try. I am the one you want can't look you in the eye. Hottest 100 with the song Miss World from the classic Live Through This. We can all talk about how weird and how trashy and how occasionally mental Courtney Love is. Get off it though, everyone. Like, I feel like if it was a dude doing that, everyone would be like, that's so cool. But like, I don't know. She cops a stupid amount of flack because people are idiots. Yeah, but you know, she Good was- Good honor for trying to find the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone else try and find the plane? <laughs> Back to the song, so. please. Anyway, I'm very, I'm very keen to hear opinions As I this. was saying before, I was so rudely I'm sorry. Just, it's okay. It's you know a valid fucking, point. No, well, I mean, like, I don't want to interrupt I'm used to again. getting talked over by you. <laughs> guys it's fine this is this is nothing new to me i'm trying to let you speak i appreciate that but it's just it's just an interesting point that as soon as we begin it becomes about courtney love and i think that is part of the thing about whole and it's and it's i think even it's the whole love is whole no yeah, what whoa whoa what about oh don't get me wrong i love everyone else in this band but when it comes down to it like the personality oh you couldn't the- do whole without court obviously it's so much about her persona and even then it was a major talking point and now it's a major talking point and it's just worth saying that like when you listen to whole that is tied into it and it's they're inseparable in terms of when you listen to it and, and getting the meaning in the aesthetic david it's it's yours now you look like is you it? something to is say it? is it really is it is we will sit quietly and listen i was first introduced to whole at the ripe old age of seven Celebrity Skin and Malibu were massive, massive hits. I was completely enamored and blown away by this. Not only because, well, let's face it, both of those songs reside firmly in the CBD of Jam City, but also I'd never seen that type of music so aggressive and so heavy performed primarily by women. It really took a while to sink in. It's just like, that's great. I didn't, I'm seven, I have no idea what the fuck's going on, but I want to know more. I get Celebrity Skin, Celebrity Skin is a fucking great record, and I eventually work my way back to Live Through This, which is an even better record. It's such a great, nasty attitude and such a give a fuck what you think approach to how they play. It was always so sharp and so 
in your face, but at the same time, just so lethargic and sloppy. It's just like, yeah, we're just doing whatever the fuck we want. This was part of an era of music uh, Chris Hardwick from The Nerdist once described as my friend. Very throaty 90s alt rock, which. That, that is a lyric from those old yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> Quite literally a lyric in this song. Yeah. So. Ah. <laughs> If you're talking about classic 90s old rock singles, then you got to fucking talk about Miss World. And you got to talk about that before you talk about some of the other bullshit we've talked about, like fucking Screaming Trees or Buffalo Tom or <laughs> yeah. whoever the fucking else. God, Buffalo Tom. Yeah. Yeah. You have a good memory for all the forgettable stuff. <laughs> I think you're right with saying this is essential 90s, and I think this, yes. more than a lot of whole songs, represents whole, at, at least they're lyrically purest. Like the ideas yeah. of self-worth and substance abuse yeah for sure and that weight of expectation on women and girls yeah Yeah. you recognized this was a female voice and a strong female voice straight away from this band and like and that's entirely the point i think the whole is like it's it's doing the grunge feeling very much from a female perspective deliberately Mm. i've actually read a statistic which i didn't realize but mm. Hole is actually the most commercially successful female-fronted rock band in history. I'm not surprised. The I only was... stuff that would come close is maybe like Pretenders or Blondie or something like that. But mm. even then, Hole was a big fucking business back yeah. in the day. And uh, there's a great Rolling Stone quote which talks about live through this. And it says, It may be the most potent blast of female insurgency ever committed to tape. That is a, is, that's a great quote. Yeah. It's not too bad. I... I think that short changes the Riot Girl movement a little, like Bikini <laughs> Kill and so on. Oh, potentially. Well, it was around at the same time, yeah. you know, it was, it was kind of complementary to that, I think. Well, it certainly it, followed it in, in the same footsteps, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Mm. But the writing and the lyricism really does shine, I think. And look, if you were holding it at arm's length and you were judging it before you got into it and you didn't take it for what it is, I think it's very easy to be slightly repelled by it, which I admit was where I was coming to when I was approaching the song. The second lyric is somebody kill me. You know what yeah. I mean? You can either go like, oh yeah, well, I was ex- I was expecting that. And you can kind of write it off. Or you can attempt to give it a bit of an ear and get into it and go like, actually, no, like if you take this for what it is and you engage with it on its terms, the writing is quite heartfelt and rich. And there is a lot of really nice emotion coming through. I've never been the biggest fan of grunge. I've mentioned this numerous times. I've mm. never been the biggest fan of Hole. But I do think Live Through This is a very good record. And this is a very nice song. But I think that you hit a chord there when you say that the second lyric saying somebody kill me like that's on the paper that's not a great lyric but it's I think that I've said this numerous times about Kanye West lyrics is that they're better than they are because they're bad precisely because the lyrics are kind of cringy in moments that yeah. reveals something deeper than was intended it's like revealing something about her that she would include that lyric as the second lyric that I think speaks deeper than the song intends and I, I think, think that's, that's bang yeah. on which goes back to the point you can't separate whole and, 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 and quality, the, perso- yes. the persona is tied into the yeah. writing and it's best viewed through that lens or whatever and also I think something about the delivery as well yeah, absolutely, absolutely. not everyone yeah. could pull that off basically it's one note and it's near whining yeah really but it works yeah. for some reason oh yeah it kind oh, of yeah, it kind time. of defies uh, my, my explanation to a certain extent only thing is that when i listen to it is i buy it there's a lot more to say about hole and i will hold off till next yeah. week because yeah, I think next week what i have to say about hole in regards to um compositional ideas is better represented in the next week's song so stay tuned okay. yeah i don't love this so- like this is a fine song yeah that, um, that's, that's where i stand on the yeah whole, but- like that <laughs> There's a lot of other Hole that I prefer, even just the singles. Do you like Hole in general? Or? Like, not a huge amount, but like I don't dislike them. 
Yeah. I like the singles. I was always thinking that I'd be the only one who, like, you guys would like like a couple of songs, but I'm the only one who'd probably heard, like, every whole album. Yeah, I certainly haven't maybe, heard every yeah, whole maybe. album. You are yeah, that yeah, person. That's yeah. fine. But, yeah, I kind of just struggle with, the, I guess, the conceit of this song because it's so 90s. Sure. Like, talking about Miss World, that as just a cultural reference yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, for is, sure. Is and so... the video, too, with the, with yeah, the prom yeah. and the pageant. Talking about, like, beauty queens and stuff and the talking about cover. that, it's very uninteresting to me now. It's just a very 90s thing. That level of cynicism around that kind of image. Miss Universe, Miss World, all that stuff was quite big in the 90s. No one really gives a shit about it anymore. But Deservedly in, so, I think. But in um, relation to... And again, maybe this is still connected to 90s, but I think it updated at least a little bit. If you mm. view Miss World as being, as I think the song does, a symbol for body image. And yeah, yeah. I just think femininity and expectation. The problem is that I'm, I'm looking at the song now. Like, I think sure. then it's it's hitting all the right points. But it's, yeah, just, I, it's I, a museum I, piece. Yeah, you got to yeah, appreciate that's it, it in its own yeah. context. Because, yes. like, that... Yeah, that might be referring to those points really well it's just that now there are infinitely better choices true to be writing about that stuff from as a, as a reference point it's not really a problem with the song because it didn't come out this year but it's just yeah. in terms of me engaging with it i'm yeah, just kind of like gotta, oh, i can't yeah, care you gotta understand because... it from the context of yeah, that time yeah. like we didn't go in on fucking new order when they were singing about having conversations on the telephone it's like i did telephone. a little <laughs> i, I yeah. called God, out no, I remember that thing. get back get back to me when you've got a galaxy all right new order <laughs> but but just i don't text me new order but that song wasn't <laughs> that feeling wasn't about that I, I don't know I just like it's it's hard for me to care about the song now and like I can't engage with it as much as, as I would have been able to then maybe okay yeah okay this is it for now on the like, whole I don't hate the song I just, it's just like <laughs> oh, no. you know it's it's not the best hole well this is part one of our discussion of hole so uh definitely tune in next week for a bit more love my friend <laughs> at number 33 it is this fair with Supernova. Go from whole puns to fair puns. <laughs> <laughs> In the 1984 Hottest 100 with the song Supernova. Nathan. Yes. All is fair in love and war. Yep. What's your take on this number? I'd never heard of Liz Fair before. Really? I, yeah. Wow. I, 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 okay. That's what I thought might happen. This song's yep. fine. I think I feel like it's lacking energy in her vocals, particularly whenever like she sings in the higher register towards the end of the verses. I'm like, yes, this is cool. This feels more fun. It's catchy. Like, I, you know, sort of found myself humming it quite often over the last week or so since listening to it. But I don't know. I think I want a bit more. I'm not sure what it is. I think the fact that uh, it's a little bit too straight as a pop song. It's a bit too by the numbers for pop yeah. songwriting. For me, the hero is the down-tuned guitar tone. I think it's oh. very, very nice. What? I think, see, for me, the guitar, the guitar work is what is utterly lacking. No Real, way! The tone carries this it, This song has no. riffs for days! Thank Are you, you David, right? yes. To me, it's just that lackluster wah 
and a fuzz that isn't nearly powerful oh, no. enough. No, it's got it's, no it, teeth. No. It's gummy. It yeah, gums I, I, me. I, I it's kind of just, like... It's lethargic and it's intentional. Yeah, it's lethargic. not supposed to be like in your face. No, it's like, not even lethargic this enough. This isn't a it's, dinosaur it's junior worlds. guitar solo, man. This is just like guitar pop. I think that's why why Adam's not impressed because he just wants the dinosaur <laughs> junior guitar solo for life. Yeah. Well, most of the time, yeah, I do. <laughs> but no, I just want a decision to be made in regards to the guitar tone. If it wants to be lethargic, if it wants to be noisier, if it wants to have more of a funky wah going on, like pick one. Of those, it's kind I of sitting I'm with you. That's yeah, sort of. I, I just like. I don't know what the song is doing enough, and it could have. It could have done a number of things, on, but it's just not doing any of them enough. Look, I think it's got a thing that it's doing. My my gripe with the guitar tone is mainly that the riff is too simple without a clear choice of tone. The riff but is catchy I think, as shit. It's so good. It's it's nothing. It's nothing. No way. The riff is nothing. The riff isn't what wows me. Is the guitar tone? I just love it so much. Yeah, but, uh, it's so yeah. weird, man. Because normally, like, I'm, we agree on guitar on, on, tone. On tone. <laughs> yeah, we we are brothers in guitar tone love um, but this is like I said before I think it's a little bit too straight for me to love it Liz Fair is somebody who has recommended to me numerous times for the um, excellent Guyville record in particular I have the record I've listened to it fleetingly I think only a couple of times I remember enjoying it probably as much as I expected to which was about a six so a nine in DJ Wawa <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this song I think is nice um, for what it is but it, nothing about it really wows me apart from the guitar tone I wouldn't ever think to myself I'll write in and vote for Supernova and I think that's yeah no, man, number thing. 33 yeah, but, like uh, enough people did enough yeah. people did this song sounds better in my head I think when I, I think, think so too that's yeah. interesting yeah. Yeah. that's like, really interesting it sounds, it sounds bigger the guitar yeah. works better with the song in my head yeah, okay, and, yeah. and I listen to it and I'm just like it's, I, I'm kind of with you there yeah, yeah. okay cool, huh. cool okay Look, I think I said that the guitar, like what the song does is separate to what the guitar does. And what I think the song does, which I think works a little bit, is the too alternative to say I love you love song. It's like someone who's who's like way too tough. So it's like, oh, I'm not going to admit my feelings, but I'll compare you to an M16. But I'll <laughs> say you fuck like a volcano. And like, I love that. I, I love that. Look, honestly, I like the fact it's written in second person because I like being told that I fuck like a volcano. Thank you, Liz <laughs> I try, okay? <laughs> fuck yeah. So I appreciate that Dude, very awesome. much. Dude, it's awesome. I love Because Adam not- erupts all over himself. Ugh. <laughs> 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 It's a disaster. All over. <laughs> Everything. Oh, my God. Crack a fucking toe. It's, that is not PG. No. <laughs> there goes the explicit rating on iTunes. Parents against Hottest Hundreds and Thousands. <laughs> following um, episode of Hottest One Hundreds has been rated MA. It contains adult themes. I don't Adam think, themes. You're listening to this, Adam themes. If you're listening to this with your mum in the car right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we should be listening to this, Timothy. <laughs> Can't we listen to Mumford and Sons? Deej. Yeah. You like this song? Fuck yeah. What do you like about this song? (laughs) I said, man, I fucking dig the riff. I dig the chorus. I dig that it's a left of center love song. I love Liz Fair. This is a year removed from Exile and Guyville. And she was just like, Mm. fuck it. Gotta make another record because that's what they did back in the day. We didn't just fucking twiddle our fucking thumbs. We made another fucking record a year after we put out our last one because we could. Fucking bam, 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 bam. They weren't always great, but we were fucking doing them. <laughs> Who Dad, is this Dad, we? Dad, Dad, I think you've had too many beers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The barbecue's over. I've been drunk since breakfast and I give zero fucks. I love this. I think Liz Fair is kick-ass and this song is just 
dance around your bedroom fun. Like, it's not fucking life-changing or anything like that. It's not even as crucial as Exile and Guyville, but it doesn't have to be. It's just fun for what it is. It's interesting that you do mention this album in comparison to Exile and Guyville because Whip Smart, which is what the uh, what this song comes from, the yes. album, the follow-up to Exile and Guyville, most people thought was a little bit of a fizzer. Which... Yeah, because they were just like, well, it's not Exile and Guyville. It's just like, Exile and Guyville already exists, motherfucker. Well, that's the thing. She was massively, massively hyped from what oh, I can tell. Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. She was like on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah, yeah, Pitchfork yeah. Pitchfork probably gave her best new music and then gave this one a four. Pitchfork was established in 96. <laughs> that, 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 okay. Yes, I know. Um... <laughs> It's but, a synecdoche. <laughs> but also... You're a synecdoche. But also, like, on that Rolling Stone cover, the Rolling Stone said, you know, a rock star is born. It was a big thing. Because of that, she was very, very talked about for both good and bad. Uh, and one person who had something to say is, I bet you can't guess... Robert Crisco? Steve Albini. Oh! oh Albo! Albo! In a ranting letter that I found where he not only talks down Urge Overkill... Who? <laughs> he loved criticising Urge Overkill. <laughs> Who Didn't we a, all? We all. Yeah. <laughs> they have a link to Liz Fair as well. Um, I think Exile in Guyville as the name actually comes from something. Uh, it's an Urge Overkill reference. Fun fact. So huh. there you go. Six degrees. But also uh, he tore down the Smashing Pumpkins. So, Always fun. Yeah. And then he tore down Liz Fair. And the, the quote that he had against Liz Fair is, Liz Fair is Ricky Lee Jones, in brackets, more talked about than heard, a persona completely unrooted in substance, and a fucking chore to listen to. Albini. Oh, dick Albini. But he does. At least he shoots from the hip. He's not <laughs> mincing his words, but, right? But potentially just, you know, she's a victim of the hype machine. Yeah, yeah. and to his credit later on in the letter, he does say that anyone who is uh, taking a snipe at Liz Fair's personal life and persona and not talking about her music is even worse. And he says that that's happening a lot because of the hype machine and whatever. And because of the fact that Liz Fair, from what I can tell, was putting herself out quite a lot in her lyrics about being overtly sexual and stuff like that. Also and, because she's a woman. And she's a oh, woman. Oh, hell yeah. Man, the Liz Fair story doesn't end particularly well. She kind of just... Well, it's still going. Like, uh, she's still well, around. Well, that's, that's what doesn't end well, because it doesn't end. Yeah. yeah, but, like, her last album she had to release independently because she made it, and then the label was like, we don't want this. And so <laughs> oh. she sort of just put it up on the internet. Oh. And, like, it had a bunch of songs that were like, screw you, label, but also, like, screw you, fans, you're not going to like this. And oh. just, like, no one liked it. Ouch. She yeah. needs to leave the barbecue as well. Uh, I don't think we get to talk about Liz Fair again, so uh, we are officially exiled from Guyville, kids. Farewell, Liz. We had yeah, yeah. Farewell. Also, very good Truth. at the start. I didn't. I don't know if it was on purpose, but when you said when you said all's fair in love and war, did you also note that you said Liz? All's, all's oh my god! All, all is fair! Oh my yeah. god! All is oh fair! Oh my god! Yeah, that's what you, when you said it. I was going like this. What the around. fuck? <laughs> I thought you would enjoy that. <laughs> Holy shit! I'm <laughs> the greatest man alive. <laughs> you said all is fair all in love and war. <laughs> At number 32, this is Mazzy Star with Fade Into You. Take the breath that's true 
as he started number 32 in the 1994 Hottest 100. Song called Fade Into You. I'm feeling very Cameron Datto right now, a bit of Smooth FM. I'm feeling very just blissed out just thinking about this song. So I can only assume that, uh, Andrew, you're feeling the same. I am. I think uh, Cameron Datto was a harsh comparison to draw there. <laughs> yeah. I, it'll surprise no one that I absolutely adore this song. I absolutely adore Mazzy Star. The album that this is from, so I don't that I might see, is one of the finest 90s dream pop records or the tail end of that kind of movement, which I guess kicked off with the Cocteau Twins, who I also adore. This song, I think it's absolutely beautiful. It's too slow and meandering to be a huge pop single, but they yeah. just happen to luck out with it somehow. I'm not sure how. Hope Sandoval has one of the finest voices in this kind of music. She's absolutely in impeccable form here. Yeah. And Dave Roback, the other half of the band who did the, who did the production work, carves this from a block of marvel. It's absolutely yeah. impeccably beautifully handled. I think Dream Pop at its finest, even though it was actually a precursor to things like Noise Pop and Shoegaze, it sounds like it's a hangover after a night of that. And this is exactly that kind of thing. This is dreamy, beautiful music that wraps you up in a blanket of stars, that kind of all-encompassing sound where stereo separation is arbitrary. It's that kind of, it's all, it's monolithic, but in a pleasant way. Yeah. And I think this song exemplifies it better than nearly any. I think this is an absolutely beautiful song. I have nothing but praise from Mazzy yeah. Star. And this album and this song is exactly why they are revered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can give a plus one to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite yeah. frankly. I think you nailed it on the head when you said it's all handled really beautifully because it's all basically just about the texture that's laid down by the drums and the couple of guitars including the one like the, the distorted guitar but it's way down in the yeah. mix and mm. it's just a really like only caught it the last time that I heard it and it's like ah so that's what that is. It's, it's a feeling more than a sound. Yeah. And all the other embellishments that are put in with the piano and the slide guitar and just the choices that Hope makes in the way that she delivers it with that just a little bit of lilt Mm. and that little bit of bend that she puts on at the end of every phrase makes it really memorable. It's so much greater than the sum of its parts, basically. Oh, the melody's just gorgeous. Yeah, you can just get lost in it. For the train spotters, this is the second time that we've heard from... uh, Miss Hope Yes In this countdown The last time being With the Jesus and Mary chain Which I know We were collectively Pretty hyped on It was a Yeah It was enjoyable got, yeah, got, this, is, yeah. this is why she's Yeah The yeah. queen though the Yeah, yeah. Sure yeah. yeah This is a Just this Elegantly wasted Beautifully stoned Love song This is another Indirect love song It's a song About love Without directly Saying it And mm. Just for the hazy at heart a bit of trivia. A couple of months ago, I saw your friend and mine, Mr. J. Maskus, live ah. at the factory, and he covered this. Wow. Wow. Lovely. And it was, that would have been really good. It was amazing. Listen to it, and now hear Jay's voice singing it. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, I can see that working. And, yeah, I can see that working. And you I mean, it'd be slightly see, different. Yeah. But. You saw some people in the room just like, this is like 90s dream come true. <laughs> yeah. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Saying that it's for the uh, love song for the hazy at heart is uh, on the money there. I think it's a beautiful way to describe this song. And uh, I believe this will probably be the last time we get to talk about Mazzy Star. So I will bring it up. They reformed a a couple of years ago. Uh, In 2013, they dropped an album, Seasons of Your Day, which was, I think, very nice. It was more stripped back affair than this, but it was still absolutely gorgeous. And they, last year, dropped... Uh, new 7-inch of songs on Record Store Day. They're still active and they're yeah, doing... Cool. I'm very happy to have them back. They're mm-hmm. a wonderful band. I think also, like, something about the tone of this is that it's bittersweet in the way that depending on where you come to it from, you can either feel the pain of it or the joy of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's both in there. And I think to be able to elegantly and honestly embody both of those 
polars of emotion is really nice. It's like um, your friend of mine, Mr. Nick Cave, said that no good love song is without melancholy. Mm. I was just thinking, it was weird because I was listening to it being like, this kind of reminds me of a Nick Cave ballad. And I didn't know whether that was a stupid thing to think. But I'm, I'm now, that, now that the authority on Nick Cave has given it the thumbs up, I feel validated on that. The head so. of the Nick Cave department. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah, exactly. No, this song is, is gorgeous. It's like next to flawless. Yeah. Like It simultaneously sounds meticulously crafted, but so effortless. Yeah. It's the simplest thing in the world to well just said. listen to this song and, and have it get you. I can only imagine when they playing back and heard it, they thought, like, of course we wrote that song. Yeah, of course yeah, we did of that. Course, and of course. I forgot that the months of preparation that it yeah, to Yeah, together. that's it. There's not a... a piece of this song that is out of place yeah fuck yeah that's pretty much it basically man imagine if someone hated the song yeah what a feelings grinch should have to be (laughs) oh my lord (laughs) number 31 this is single gun theory with fall Did I get that wrong? Yeah. No, no it, you got it that right. Is, that is the band of this song is Oh, for. but who uh, fucking I, cares whether you did or not? Like, uh, 1994, we've had enough. <laughs> we've had enough of this. Do it's it, next. DIY. Moving on. That's kind of it, hey. It this is. Is. Welcome back to DIY with DJ Y. <laughs> this, is, this is nice enough generic electronic pop rock that From has- a local band. That no, sounds it's worse casual. than that. It's annoying. Oh, the fucking fuck. perverse, like, yeah, yeah, yeah a, fuck off. I'm annoyed because- I have to listen to this song and I know what's coming up and I know what it's already been. Yes. I, 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 I need to listen to this song again before having heard it. How did this beat Mathar? <laughs> How did this beat Parklife? <laughs> How did this beat a lot of things? It's just like, look, if we were talking about this song in the 90s, I'd give it the time of day, but look where you are. Single gun theory. Look who else is here. That they, that that is their fault. You could have at least <laughs> dressed up. Yeah, you know what I mean. You You're you in- could have put the effort in instead of sounding like a shitty Madonna B side. Look what Beck's wearing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Beck's got a funny Take hat. A look wow. at yourself. Look at Hope and David. They're beautiful people. They are oh, so they're, beautiful. They're so sharp. This is rubbish. But I don't, I, I don't understand how you can care enough to hate it. Because as much I'm as you young. Do. I'm oh, not going to be young can forever. Get like, I'm going to die someday, Nathan, and um, I don't want to waste any of my time not yeah. hating, li- <laughs> listening yeah. or talking to this song. But I, yeah, I don't want to waste any of my time caring about them that much. I think the, the chorus melody is kind of nice. Like, yeah. I can almost get there on that. But, like, the samples are rubbish. The verses are rubbish. This is a just pretty rubbish song. Energy never dies. It just changes form. They started with that and it's like, whoa, that's, you know, you've set yourself an uphill battle by starting yeah. a song with that. But, but then they, they do it again. 
That's just not... It's not even anything. Oh, yeah. even... This this song... Yeah, it's rubbish. I think we're all on board with this. Yeah. I'm just over it. Done. F this S. <laughs> that brings us to the end of yet an Fucking whatever the fuck. Uh, <laughs> it's such a downer yeah, to end oh, the episode. Oh, done. <laughs> like, it's it's nice that we got to talk exclusively <laughs> about ladies and shit today. But oh, yeah, fuck. sorry. We should bring that. Oh, it's better if you don't even call attention to it. But we've done it. Oh, it was so just far. a nice bit of trivia, I thought. But, like... We it's fucking, a hot streak. It, it was it yes. was a fucking wimp and not a bang to fuck you yeah. know out on. So uh, no fucking shit on what I'm calling for my worst, but for <laughs> best, I'm gonna go with Miss World. Is Cornflake Girl my favorite song? You bet your life it is. Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, and the obvious choice. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna Just... be surprised if anyone picks a different song for their worst. Yeah, but that's fine. Um, for, I think for best is the toss up between Mazzy Star and Tori Amos, and I'm gonna give it to Mazzy Star because you're sitting next to Andrew. Yeah. That's fair. They are both phenomenal songs, and it was great to be able to talk about both of them yep. in the countdown. Yep, it's hardly worth me mentioning that my favorite was Vain to you, my favorite was Single Gun Theory. <laughs> well, that's gonna do us for another week. Thanks a bunch for listening thanks to FBI for having us on behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison it's been a pleasure yeah it has on behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher you bet your life (laughs) yeah (laughs) and on behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald fading to you and to you too sir my name is David James Young keep music maverick Alright, alright, alright.